Well, well, whoa. <laughs> you want to take that one again? Yeah, we can take that one again. Okay. No, I mean, just do uh, it again real quick. Uh, are we rolling? Check, yeah, check, we're check. still rolling. Yeah, yeah like, we're going. I was making sure I was, because I paused it, because I was going to start a new file, but... Nah, just go, just go with it. <laughs> just fuck it. We're, we're doing it. Let's do it. Come on. <laughs> fuck it. We'll do it live. Welcome to Hey Ass Fight. Yeah. <laughs> Keep all of that in. Just all. Just don't oh, even. It's all, it's all going in. Yeah. Can you do like a like a like a record scratch and oh, stop yeah, the I intro? Almost every oh, yeah. time that we've had an intro mess up like that, I've done something silly with it. Yes. Thing. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think one of my favorites was we we started and then messed it up. So mm-hmm. then I just like played the intro music again. Nice. <laughs> it was like started the whole thing over from where it already was. It was a good time. Um, I hope our listeners appreciate all my little editing jokes because I do. I appreciate the shit out of it. <laughs> as as a listener. I appreciate the fucking shit out of it. So, you got uh, one fan, I Travis. Of, I think one of my favorites is when I fast-forwarded you talking about Batman. Oh, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> that was yeah. a good time. So, um, today we are talking about things we can't let go of. Again. Ad- Again. Edition 3 million. Uh, we're obsessed with this topic. Um... Sometimes we can't think of things to talk about, and this is a really easy way to just, like, get this shit taken care of. So, mm-hmm. Travis, why don't you start? What can't you let go of this week? Well, I finally, after years and years and years and years and years and years, mm-hmm. I have finally started watching Avatar The Last Airbender all the way through. Yes, yes. Where are you um, right now? That show is like Pringles. I, you can't stop it. Just I one actually, I just watched the desert episode. Oh, nice. That's a and, good. And maybe that's the good. one that follows that. But I do, I do know I had just gotten to the desert episode recently. So nice. That was a good time. Uh, I love high Sokka on um, cactus yes. juice. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Travis, never question uh-huh. my taste again. How about that? Just go ahead and jot well, that down. Not, my taste is impeccable. It's not that I've never questioned your taste. Like, I have attempted to watch Avatar The Last Bender, Airbender mm-hmm. multiple times since it's been available streaming. Like, I think I tried to watch it ten or eight, seven, some amount of time years ago. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it was. I just couldn't get into it. I got to, like, the point where... I got to the episode about the water scroll mm-hmm. um, with the pirates, and maybe the one after that where, like, Katara tries to teach Aang waterbending, and he's, like, way better at it already than she is. Yes. And she gets all jealous. Like, I'd gotten to, like, that episode, and I was like, uh, okay. I but, mean, um, as fucking spectacular as Avatar is... I will go ahead and agree with you. It does get a little slow at points, and it is a little... It can be a little hard to get into, I think. Yeah. But once you get to, like, the end of season one, it's all great. 
what really finally got me in was because I was like kind of watching it like I had it on because I also kind of I'd seen those episodes before in the beginning um so I was kind of already familiar so I was kind of like half watching it half looking at reddit or something else uh but then the episode that really tied me in is the first time you hear Iroh talk about how Zuko got banished um, and how oh, yeah. like, he spoke up against the Fire That's Lord a good... generals and then he went to go fight for his honor and then it was his dad there so that's when I was really like oh man I got, and then his sister gets introduced and I'm like ooh I gotta know what this is all about yeah she's so, uh I've been having a good time with that she's yeah well, good. I'm glad. Are you going to watch Korra afterwards, I, like, do you think? I, I probably will, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Zuko's sister Korra is, is different, but still in good. In every single way. Yeah, she's, she's fucking nuts, dude. She's... She's a... Uh, oh, boy. What about you, Ben? What you got? So, I've been... I've been doing a couple of things frequently other than working and trying to sleep, uh, which is I've been watching a lot of, like, sports highlights. Nice. Just, like, an asinine amount, because, like, every, like, once, every six months I get really into boxing for some reason, uh-huh. and I just really enjoy it. I just feel like it's, like, angry chess. Really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and yeah. I, I really love it. Yeah. You're right about it's that because you have to be two steps ahead of your opponent, but you also have to be ready to smack your opponent in the face. I think yeah. we've talked briefly about Jack Handy and deeper thoughts, and because um, he is the writer of my favorite uh, joke of all time, which is if you ever drop your keys into a river of molten lava let him yeah. go because man they are gone and he has another one that reminded me of this it's a uh, to me boxing is like a ballet except there's no music no choreography and the dancers hit each other <laughs> <laughs> same vibe Ben same fucking vibe oh man but one of like the best videos I've found is it's entitled Mike Tyson destroys boxer for Muhammad Ali ooh and which is a terrible title for what the video actually entails um because what it starts out with is muhammad ali's last bout i don't Mm -hmm. i think it's like uh i don't remember the guy's name but muhammad ali is clearly like not in it he he doesn't have his speed he doesn't have his power he doesn't he can't dodge like we've all seen videos of this motherfucker dodging barrages of punches and then just dancing after Mm -hmm. he stops but this guy just wipes the floor with him and then kind of talks shit afterwards and mike tyson is 14 at the time of this fight oh shit and muhammad ali calls um mike tyson's trainer and they have a conversation and then Mike asks for the phone and like speaks to him and that's when we get the classic quote from Mike Tyson when he says when I get big I'm gonna get him for you nice and then six six years later Mike Tyson becomes the youngest heavyweight champion of the world at 20 years old holy shit and then goes up and, 
yeah uh, and he's a monster this is like pre-prime mike tyson as well like he's just starting to get going pre-punch out mike and, tyson yep uh, <laughs> probably because i think it was in like the mid 70s when the first fight happened like a muhammad ali's last fight against the guy and i think punch out came late 80s i think because the nes came out in 85 i think or maybe a little bit before and so tyson fights the guy and the guy's not as old as muhammad ali was in his last fight but he's he's a little rusty and ali talks to both of them before the fight he talks to the guy he lost to first and says good luck basic and then goes over to Mike Tyson and says, get it for me. Get it for me, man. <laughs> I think it was like maybe two or three rounds out of like a 12-round fight that it was scheduled for. And in like the last round of the fight, uh, Mike Tyson eviscerates. Destroys isn't the right word. He leaves this guy as a grease spot on the fucking tarp. Whoa. He gets a TKO and just beats. Like this guy, I don't think he wakes up for a bit. And just gets just beat to hell by Iron fucking Mike. Damn. But yeah, and I've been rewatching uh, Hajime no Evo as well, just because, like I said, every once in a while, I just get really into boxing. Hell yeah. Boxing's, I mean, it's a pretty fucking cool sport. Like, of all the sport, I'm not a big sports person, but the ones that I have been kind of into have been like boxing, figure skating, end of sentence. <laughs> no third thing. Um, but yeah, boxing is is pretty fucking neat. When I was in high school, I was really obsessed with this book called The Power of One, which now, looking back on it, that book is problematic as hell. But um, yeah, that, that book is about a boxer. Or, well, it's about this kid who grows up in, like, Africa, and he is white and English, and um, basically he becomes like the best boxer in the world by never getting hit and it is uh, kind of fucked up <laughs> but mm, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't recognize that at the time um, but yeah I personal style have had a couple of different things that I can't let go of this week um, one of which is the Bernie Sanders meme. Yeah, that's a great one. I, yeah. He looks so put out sitting in that chair with his sucking mittens. Is that one tweet of the picture of him carrying his mail in and he's just and someone's just like, I guess I'll go by Joe's thing for a while. I saw a tweet that was like, This face says this this is a meeting that could have been an email. Yeah. <laughs> Which is fucking hilarious. I also um, loved uh, just the fact that he's wearing the same coat he had last year in the other Bernie Sanders meme. The oh, once yeah. again, I'm asking for a donation meme. It's the same fucking coat. Mm. That's brilliant. That's that's his one coat. He's got one good one he's, that keeps him warm, and that's all he needs. He's got one fucking coat. I am here to tell you right now, that man is from Vermont. He has to have at least a light jacket. Is that his light jacket, and then he has a heavier coat, do you think? No, I think that's a pretty heavy coat. Okay, that's... Yeah. I mean, that's definitely heavy for us down here in 
Like, I think it's like 70 degrees right now in January. Yeah, I think it's in like the mid-50s. It's it's definitely not, you know, tundra weather. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's been, that's been one of the things giving me serotonin this week. And then the other thing that I've been thinking about a lot is, um, jewelry, actually. Really? Yeah, because I have never been a big jewelry person, and I've realized the reason why is that I didn't like any of the jewelry I was given because it was too... Not to my taste. Mm-hmm. And recently, I have been trolling Etsy for a bunch of stuff that um, I really enjoy. And so I've been buying a lot of jewelry. Not the most, like, fascinating things we can't let go of, but, like, I bought, like, Hal's moving castle earrings. Like, the earrings he has oh, in yeah. those movie. And, um, yeah. For the longest time, I used to have this necklace. And it was just a piece of raw... It was a very simple necklace. It was a piece of raw pyrite on a chain. And that was, like, my favorite piece of jewelry in the world. And I would literally wear that and nothing else. And, um, yeah. The jewelry I want is, you know, pretty simple and pretty cheap. And shit I can get from Etsy. Hell yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of stuff like that where if some it's basically like if someone is trying to give you something and you don't like it mm-hmm. or someone is trying to push it upon you and you're like not really into it then mm-hmm. it's never going to catch on for yourself personally it's like you have to discover it for yourself and kind of understand what kind of style you like especially for jewelry well, and I know um, that growing up, at least in the South, when you're, you grow up as a girl, um, you, there's a lot of jewelry given to you from a very young age, um, and a lot of the jewelry that I received was based around, like, my birthstone, or pearls. Right. That's a very big mm-hmm. thing. Pearls are a very big thing in the South. And, um, yeah. yeah, so it's, it's you know, and that's all fine. If you like that stuff, that's totally cool. I, I know a lot of people who think that shit is, like, like amazing, and that's awesome. And I actually, okay, I do like my pearl necklace, but that has, like, a sentimental value for mm-hmm. me. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it... Um, sometimes, uh, you're just not the kind of person that, you know, is going to get into the, the stuff that your mom buys you. And that's also fine. So. Yeah. And like, I don't know about you, but did your like mom or grandmother just have a lot of like, kind of like costume jewelry or jewelry around? Oh my God. Yes. Like, <laughs> just like, I don't know what it is about like Southern ladies and all of these like rings and necklaces with like big basically like not even stones but like glass or resin well, it's, in there to make it look fancy. Yeah, but it's cheaper. Yeah. So it's just so much costume jewelry around like Yeah. I feel like I could do, so like recently uh my family had a big like estate sale where we took like a bunch of stuff from my grandmother's house and my aunt and uncle's house and my mom's house 
and they just like had a big estate sale and sold it all and there was this box of costume jewelry and I feel like I could have just ripped out all the glass and resin out of it and melted down the metal and like had a brick of whatever metal was in there um this is like wow Ari and Travis really are like middle class kids from the south huh <laughs> yeah <laughs> like this is just this is what this conversation is huh okay y'all talking about like jewelry the type of jewelry that you inherit and also the type of jewelry you bought from like joann's or something do people buy jewelry from joann's jesus christ cobra get your shit together but the the point is, is that i don't know jewelry is a big thing it's a big like generational thing like my mom has actually taken me and my sister and showed her and I, like, the rings that we'll inherit when she dies. Um, and a (laughs) big fucking deal has been placed on the fact that, like, I'm going to inherit this ring because I'm the, I'm the oldest and that's my place in the family. So this is the, this is, like, the ring that I'll inherit from her and my sister will get a second ring. It's not a shittier ring. It's just like another ring that also denotes her place. It's like the second, I don't know. It feels very strange. It feels very like as the lady of this house. Are you going to have to like throw that ring into a volcano or something? (laughs) To save middle earth? Um, yeah, no, I'm pretty sure if I got rid of it, my, the ghost of my mom would haunt me for years. Uh, I am going to have to... figure out something to do with it, because I probably... Again, it's not to my style, so I probably wouldn't wear it. And, you know, I think that's fine. You shouldn't have to wear your yeah. mom's dead... your dead mom's jewelry. Unless you want to. Yep. True. She's not dead. My mom's fine. Anyways. So, yeah. <laughs> So those are the things that I can't let go of. They're not the most interesting things, but it's been kind of a slow month. Yeah. That's fair. A, a month where finally not much is happening, am I right? It's... Uh, well, I mean, there was... An, uh, I mean, there was that an, thing earlier. Yeah, there was... There, some things have happened this month. But at least nothing has happened since then. No, there are definitely some things... <laughs> There's yeah. There's still there's still shit happening. Well, you know, we're just we're there's there's only you you guys know we like to avoid politics. There's only so much we can really, you know, talk about on this show, or are going to talk about on this show, unless it's a special occasion. You can have a little bit. Our listeners can have some politics talk as a treat. As a treat. (laughs) As a treat. Yeah. And I can't think of a single thing that's happened recently that would notate, you know, uh, that would count as a treat. That would count as a treat, yeah. So, all right, are we ready to get into the episode? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay, well, Travis, this week's episode is called "What's Up, Tiger Mommy? What's It About?" <sighs> Any stereotype about Asian moms, I guess. So. (laughs) 
I'm just so upset with the title of this episode. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's so really, it's the worst. It's the worst. They could have picked literally anything else. I just want to know who, like... <sighs> they could have called it Uncle... This is a spoiler. They could have called it Uncle Fozzie's Magic Auction. It could have been anything else. We should call this episode <laughs> Uncle Fozzie's Magic Auction. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I will. Let me write that down real quick. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was trying to figure out how to combine Euro Trash and Auction into the same thing, but that sounds almost as bad as the original title of the episode, I think. There's, um, I just want to know who's in the writer's room. Who wrote the, I'm going to look, hold on. Let's, let's take a break, and then when we come back, we're going to break that, this down. Yeah. I I wound up liking this episode more than I thought I would. Yeah. Yeah, that's because the bar was a hella low. <laughs> After yeah. last the week, bar, yeah. The bar was on the floor, to be honest. On like, the There's no limboing over this bar. There's only limboing over it. Um, I could do... The bar was so low from last week's episode, I could do, like, backflips over it. That's how low, that's, it was, I could walk over the bar and not touch it. Like, that's how low it was. It was in the ground. Um, so this episode was written by Andrew Dabb, uh, who's, of course, written a ton of uh, episodes for Supernatural. Um, and, uh, Daniel Laughlin, his writing partner, um, Let's go ahead and address the tiger, the title first. Tiger Mom is like a stereotype about Asian moms being like super hardcore and super strict. Uh, it is honestly probably like the worst thing about this episode for me because I, I agree, Travis, this episode was stellar. I mean, it was like... I mean, I wouldn't call it stellar, but it was better... Oh, oh no, I I actually liked it more this viewing than I did the first time I watched it. Really? Yeah. I, th- I think the second half of the episode really makes it more likable. Yeah. Because it, it gives you, like, you've had time to forget what it's called, you've had time to forget about the first half. Like, once once the dude in the top hat shows up, I think that's when the episode yeah. really Yeah. Oh, do you mean... Uncle Fozzie. Once Willy Wonka shows up... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hello, Charlie. Come to my I mean, kingdom of sweets. Do you want to see really five children get murdered? Got interesting. Yeah. See, for me, the minute Linda Tran showed up, I was like, I am in. Let's fucking do this. Like, um, Linda Tran, Kevin's mom, different actress from last season. Um, now she's played by Lauren Tom, who you may not recognize her, but you will definitely recognize her voice. She is number three in Codename Kids Next Door, Amy Wong in Futurama, oh. uh, Dana Tan in Batman Beyond, Min and Connie in King of the Hill. 
No shit. Okay. Yep. So she's a huge voice actor, um, and she's been in a bunch of television stuff as well. Uh, but yeah, definitely just been all over the place, um, all over television in uh, the voice acting world. She's been. She was in Samurai Jack um, as Jack's mom. She was in Kim Possible. She's Judy in Avatar: The Last Airbender. So, yeah. She's in Phineas and Ferb. Hell yeah. Um, well, that's She's awesome. pretty much in everything. Yeah. Didn't. And she is uh, really fucking excellent in Supernatural. Yeah. Yeah. Just... Um, so, what... Anyone want to give a quick, like, little synopsis of the episode? So basically, like we said, it's kind of in two halves where Sam and Dean are with Kevin, and Kevin is like, uh, "Oh, they're going to, they're trying to find the tablet from that because Kevin stole it from Crowley." Mm-hmm. And uh, so they're going to find it, but then on the way, Kevin is like, "Hey, can we please go check in in my mom? I haven't seen her in a year. I want to make sure that she's okay." Yeah. And Dean is like, we can't go see her mom because she's surrounded by demons. And if we go see her mom, she's dead. You're dead. We're all dead. This is all fucked. And Kevin is just like, can we please go see my mom? And Dean's like, okay. (laughs) Uh, That's how it feels, at least. And honestly, I feel like Dean should have a little bit more uh, sympathy for mom's getting attacked by demons. You would think so. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, we go um, we go meet Kevin's mom who turns out is like super on board with everything after she watches her best friend get killed and a demon exercised from. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty radical. Um, And then... Basically, she's like, all right, we're going to do this, and I'm going to come with you, and is pretty badass about it. Mm-hmm. And then the second half of this episode is basically a supernatural magical items auction, where a bunch of, like, monsters or supernatural curators or both come to this underground, not literally underground, but it's kind of like an underground black market scene and uh, basically the tablet they track the tablet down to there because they they basically like it gets stolen and it gets pawned and it's a whole wild goose chase until some magic dude shows up and is like ah Kevin you're the only one who knows how to read the tablet so you must attend this auction and so they all go, and Crowley's there, and Stuart is there, and they basically have... <laughs> Alfie from... <laughs> this is Stuart, the Letter Kitty show... character, is there. They have a showdown for the tablet, and then I don't... It gets a little blurry, and then Crowley winds up leaving with it. Okay. But not before... But not before... Uh, possessing 
Kevin's mom to steal it, and then he leaves, and she's, like, in a catatonic state about it. So, um... And that's what happens. That is, yeah, effective little summary there, Travis. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so, one or two things that brought up, that kind of happened this episode that I want to talk about. Um, I want to talk about the dehumanization of people possessed by demons. Uh, oh my god, yes. So, you may remember way back at the end of season one, when the body, the real Meg dies. Um, like, the human Meg. She has mm. had her body just kicked to shit by the demon that's been possessing her, and she essentially dies in Sam and Dean's arms in, in Bobby's house after she's finally depossessed. Because, yes. you know, the demon was the only thing keeping her alive. It is a super tragic, super heart-wrenching moment. And I mentioned in our review of that episode that that is something that Supernatural kind of loses as it goes on, and it's kind of nice to see them actually, like, care about the victim of a demon uh, possession. Um, this episode kind of... Uh, hmm, okay. So, a couple of things We're happened. We're really just taking humans that have been possessed by demons and throwing them in the trash. Oh, 100%. Um, so Eunice is Linda's friend who is possessed by a demon uh, just in case Kevin comes home. She tries to escape the body of Eunice. The demon does. Tries to escape the body of Eunice and Sam rever does a reverse exorcism to force her back into the body and then Dean kills her. And that was after we see them kill like five more people outside of the house. Yeah, the gardener and the mailman. Yep. Um, and the, uh, there was one more person I thought. I think Maybe it was not. just those two. But... Well, there was later on. But yeah. Anyway. Um, but we see... So, Linda's like, holy shit, Eunice. And Dean's like, that yeah. wasn't Eunice. That was a demon. Dean, that was Eunice. That abs that was Eunice absolutely was fucking Eunice. <laughs> um, there's a sort of disregard. Yeah, I mean, after season four, the question of, like, do we even try to possess these people to see if they're still alive goes out the fucking window. Once they get the demon mm -hmm. knife, that's it. Yeah. Like, basically, the consensus is that any human that has been possessed by a demon is already a lost cause. Right. But they're not. Because we know they're not because we've seen several characters on the show be possessed by demons and be safely depossessed. Mm -hmm. And live. Like, yeah. including two of our leads, Bobby and Sam. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, ba Basically, we're at the point where if you're possessed by a demon and the plot doesn't directly include you, you're toast. Yeah. Sam and Dean will just fucking murder the shit out of you while you're trapped in your own body doing things you don't want to do. It seems like at the end of the episode, when Dean almost kills Linda, possessed by Crowley, it seems like they're maybe trying to like set this up as something they're going to explore this season, because 
Sam's like, you almost killed Linda. And Dean's like, yeah, and I would have. I would have felt shitty about it, but what's one more nightmare? Um, I, I wrote a note about that, about the beginning of... God, was it the beginning of season seven where Dean kills that girl that's a monster? Uh, yes. Oh, you mean um, the fox Kitsune? Yeah. Uh-huh. Amy, Amy. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote a note about that. I was like, Dean was pretty on board with killing innocent people before, so... Um, I think the difference to him is that Amy was a monster and Linda is human. Yeah, that's true. But... But he still says it would be worth it to kill Crowley no matter what meat suit he's in. Yeah. Yeah. Which is still, like, it, it dehumanizes everybody. Yeah way too much and it just really takes away from Dean's character because their whole idea their whole ideology is saving people, hunting things the family business, not killing whatever's necessary right, mm-hmm. well and I wonder um, oh yeah I, I kind of see it, the, the reason he hesitated killing Linda is because he knew even if it meant killing Crowley, killing Linda would mean not getting the help of Kevin. I'm going to be a little more generous and say it's because he knew Linda. That's my feeling on it. The reason why he hesitated is because it was somebody he just spent, you know, at least 48 hours with. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he, maybe you're, maybe you're right, Artie, and I hope you're Yeah. And he... He stopped himself, and then the whole conversation with Sam, you know, about killing Crowley, no matter what meets him, right. was just to save face with Sam. Well, I do... It's possible. Um, I See, my fear is that this is not tying into the bigger issue of dehumanization of victims in the show, because yeah. this... Because if Dean hesitated to kill Linda because of because he knew her that means that if he hadn't known linda just like he didn't know eunice or any of the other demons who died this episode linda would be dead oh for sure yeah 100 percent. just just you know sorry sorry guys sometimes people gotta die um and you know what uh oh hold on i'm gonna finish one thought and then get to the second one sorry my brain is like okay um my worry is okay. So another throw line with Dean this episode is his PTSD from Purgatory. Um, we also get a couple of Purgatory flashbacks concerning what happened to Cass. We'll talk about that in a minute. So Dean, Dean attacks like um, this thief who stole the tablet from where Kevin was hiding it. And basically, like, almost kills him with a tie. If he had had a knife, the oh, thief yeah. would have been dead. Um, Sam, Goes by the way... Goes like, yeah. torture, information, torture, I'll kill you anyway mode. Yeah, and this is cut with... This scene is cut with flashbacks to him in Purgatory, torturing a monster for information on where Cass is. Um mm-hmm. Sam, by the way, acts so casually about this, and I'm just like, dude, you need to, like, stand up. 
<laughs> he's just sitting in his chair and is like, come on, Dean, we gotta fucking... Come on, man! Yeah. Sam! He's <laughs> just acting as if, as if Dean had just spilled his milkshake on the guy oh, instead. Oh, what the just fuck? Like... This is all... This is gonna stain! What the hell? <laughs> yeah, it's dumb. It's dumb as shit. Um, mm-hmm. And what my fear is, is that Dean being so willing to take out Linda is not going to be about the larger issue of dehumanization and instead tie in more to Dean's got to get over this PTSD thing. And it may seem like they're the same like issue being tackled, but it's not. Because if it's just a Dean problem, then we're ignoring the fact that every other hunter in the show does the same thing. Like, this Sam also kills people with no information on whether or not they're alive in there. Just be, and it almost seems like it's because it's easier. Or Mm -hmm. doesn't lead him back down to using his demon powers with demon blood. Um, and that's just, uh, disappointing to me because you're right. Uh, ben, it goes against the whole, you know, model of the sh- motto of the show, family business, saving people, hunting things. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I would be fine with this being a thing, with D- Sam and Dean just casually ignoring the humanity of people possessed by demons, if the show addressed it, and if they would stop calling them heroes. Yeah. But they want to be so fucking squeaky clean about everything, and Sam and Dean are the good guys, who, yeah, make mistakes, but it's all in, like, the service of the greater good, and I'm just like, if you're gonna go dark, go fucking dark. Like, commit. Commit to this. Um. So, yeah, so, I I don't know how I feel about it. I feel like I can definitely feel some of the CW influence. Um, just kind of like it has to be it still has to be clean in a way. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Um, just experiences I've had with other CW shows, it's just like how if say you take like a rag that's all kind of stained up and dirty but then you run it through the wash and it's still kind of stained but it's at least sterilized yeah that's how i feel about this um i'm going to contrast what's happening with sam and dean to something that's happening to another character in the magnus archives a podcast that travis Uh and i have been listening to Spoiler alert for the Magnus Archives, if this sounds interesting at all, like, skip to, like, I'm gonna say minute 43, probably. Yeah, I'll, probably uh, I'll, cho- I'll chop it in. Yeah. I'll, okay. I'll figure out what minute it is, and I'll, I'll drop it in there. Thanks. Appreciate it. Okay, so the Magnus Archives has this character named Gertrude who basically devotes her entire life to saving the world. And she succeeds um, at the cost of many, many, many people. 
I mean, she tricks people into going on suicide missions. She lies to them. She violates their bodily autonomy. She um, goes against their, like, deeply held wishes. It's fucked up. But yeah. she does it all to, to save humanity. And the hmm. show doesn't shy away from that. Um, the show never tries to, like present her as a hero even though in like a technical sense she kind of is because she's willing to do whatever it takes to to save the world and if and it and it works because it's not willing to like you know to shy away from the fact that Gertrude is a morally gray very dark character oh yeah and I feel like with Supernatural, they kind of pussyfoot around about it, and it's like, pick one. Yeah, that's yeah. the entire problem with the show, is the pussyfootedness of it. Because they have the constant, constant potential to do really, really great things. And then they just kind of fumble, or just, I don't know, take a knee, and it's just... That's what I hate most about the show, is just how basic it gets at times. Well, and that's what I mean by that sterilization. Like, it's just, it it could get in the nitty-gritty, but it's just too sterile. Yeah. Or it's like, I don't know. Well, and we've talked about this before, not specifically about, you know, Sam and Dean's characterization, but we've talked about it in the in terms of, like, I kind of wish Supernatural would commit to actually changing the status quo. Um, we talked about that at the end of, uh, at the beginning of season six. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, and, uh, you know, it is what it is. They're probably not. Whatever. It's fine. Uh, that being said... I much prefer Sam and Dean's relationship this episode to the last episode because they weren't arguing about stupid shit. Yeah. So that was really nice. Yeah, they were at least on the same page now. And I kind of, they had some little brotherly moments that I was like, oh yeah, this is why I like these characters in this relationship. Um, Mm -hmm. Like when Sam takes Kevin's side when they're arguing about whether or not to go see Mrs. Tran. Like the... Dean's just like, oh, shut the fuck up. And it's kind of funny and sweet. Sort of. Kind of. Sweet and only the way Dean Winchester can be. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, the other thing that kind of stood out to me this episode that I want to talk about is that, are they... uh, how's, How's Crowley working as the big bad this season? I, oh, God, I don't know. Like, (laughs) I feel like at this point it's kind of established that he is the big bad. Yeah. But he's also just like, hey, what's up, boys? (laughs) Yeah. Like, they both show up at the auction, and he kind of takes some time to, like, do. there's some schoolyard, like, bullying between him and Sam and Dean. He has cute nicknames for them. Like, not exactly the most terrifying presence. There's a, like, you know, like, Dead Poet Society, School Ties, and there's a third one. I can't remember the name of it, though. But it does feel like 
a boarding school comp drama yeah. kind of action right now, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of movies like that, but there's, then there's yeah. an entire album by Pink Floyd as well. But, um, uh, it, he, it's not that he's ineffective, it's just, it doesn't feel great. For me, it doesn't work because it's too chummy. Yeah, like, if Crowley's supposed to be the big bad, it should be... I mean, like, kind of when Dick Roman, in the last season, when Dick Roman was around, it was like, oh shit, fucking Dick Roman is here, you know? And and Hmm. Dick could get pretty goofy. I mean, when you're naming your villain Dick, it's gonna happen. (laughs) Yeah. But never was I like... Yeah. It was still like if Sam and Dean and Dick Roman were in the same vicinity, it was like stakes are up. But now, when Crowley's around, it's just like, oh, it's that guy. And I think you said this last episode, Ari, that we've been around Crowley as a character for long enough now Mm -hmm. that he's just like another one of the guys, you know? He's not a a big supervillain. He... Oh, sorry, go on. He went from tertiary character to secondary character to almost a fucking main, and then now, I don't know, it just, after what happened with Dick, it's hard for him to, like, move back to big bad slash secondary. Right, especially because he helped Sam and Dean, I mean, kind of out of selfishness, but he still helped Sam and Dean at the end of season seven. More than once. Yeah. Yeah, more than once. And now he's supposed to be, like, threatening because he's like, oh, you can't have this rock, it's my rock. Yeah. He, again, the relationship between Sam and Dean and him feels less like, oh god, I'm trying to think of a really good, like, villain-hero relationship. Feels less like Voldemort and Harry Potter and more like Regina George and Katie from Mean Girls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In that yep. I, f- I feel like if Sam, Dean, and Crowley just went to couples therapy, they'd be able to hash it out. You know, let bygones be bygones. Um, and to me, it's just not incredibly effective because... Where's the threat? First of all, what does Crowley even... Okay, so, like, Crowley is immediately in a defensive position from the from season, from the get-go. First, second this season, he's in a defensive position. He doesn't yeah. want anything except to continue running hell as normal. And he, I mean, he wants... Okay, he does want things. He wants the tablet. He wants Kevin to translate the tablet for him. But does he have a goal, like a larger goal than that right now? Other than beefing up Hell's power? Beefing up his his own? His goal is is he doesn't want to get locked in Hell, I guess. But he doesn't know he doesn't want to get locked in Hell. Yeah. He just Mm. knows he wants to know what's on this tablet. Right. Yeah, He knows because of what happened with the Dick and the Leviathans that there may be something of equal or even greater 
significance to demons in hell as a whole because I think he's just out for self-preservation right now. And that's fine, but like, I feel like at this point last season, we had a bigger idea of what Dick wanted. Same with season five. The minute the season started, we were like, okay, here's the big bad, here's what he's trying to do, and it gave Sam and Dean something to fight against, and right now, Crowley's in this defensive position, and it just doesn't, it doesn't feel like he, he wants anything. Like, he doesn't want to take over the world, at least not to my knowledge. Um, yeah, he basically just wants a a rock and somebody to translate it for him. Um, and now that he knows that Sam and Dean and Kevin and Linda are trying to close hell, he wants to stop them from doing that. Um, I don't know. It just feels like a weak position to put your villain in at the beginning of the season. And then it doesn't help that he literally has cute nicknames for Sam and Dean. Mm -hmm. Like, God, what's the worst thing? The most threatening thing a villain can say to somebody. Is it calling them moose and squirrel? Uh, I think the I most love it and do what? Were you gonna say, Travis? Oh, the most threatening thing you can say uh, to your enemy as a villain is "kept you waiting," huh? <laughs> 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 um, I'm trying to think of good examples of like villain relationships, and Frollo and Quasimodo from Disney's Hunchback of Notre Dame come come to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I will say my favorite in like that I can think of off the top of my head is Handsome Jack from Borderlands 2. He's an incredibly effective villain because he's sort of likable at times, mm-hmm. but 99% of the time you fucking hate his guts and he hates you and you have no idea how much more he hates you. Yeah. And just the the way, because it's like Crowley, but it's it's not cute nicknames. It is body shamey, slut shamey, the dirtiest of the dirty, shitty stuff that someone could attack you with. Like if you, it's just effective. He's. I kind of wish that's what Crowley ended up being, or at least acted like in the first half of the season, instead of just so chummy. That he was just way more on the attack it's it's like they don't want to give like i i feel like at this point the producers and the writers know that crowley is a popular character and it's almost like they don't want to give him the full heel turn he doesn't he can't be too evil yeah you know i mean sure he's gotta be likable he broke channing's neck but like you know, he still let him go at the end of last episode. Like, he could have, you know... Yeah. Popped in the yeah. door and killed him. Yeah, yeah. We've already talked several times about what the, he could have done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, it's... He very much... It's like they're trying to save face for him. While also setting him up and, to be the big bad. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And it's just... It's hedging your bets. It's... It's not even pushing the envelope. It's just kind of staring at it and, like, menacingly, I guess. Which yeah. doesn't work. Neither as, like, an a effective villain or as a metaphor, I guess. So. 
for a comparison? Real quick, uh, Travis, you sound like you're talking underwater. Yeah. Um, that's just happening to you guys. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because you're recording in a different... Let me... I don't know if that's any better, but... Yeah, that's better. Okay. For me, at least. Yeah, that that doesn't have anything to do with how I'm going to sound in the episode. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Okay. Yeah, and it does sound better. I just wanted to make sure... Honestly, like, if you sound like you're coming underwater from us, not a big deal, but I just want to make sure it wasn't fucking with your audio. Nah. Okay. Awesome. All right. Um... We spent some time talking about things that were like, I'm not sure if this works, or I'm not sure where they're going with this, and it makes me nervous just knowing how Supernatural has dropped the ball on some other stuff. Uh, let's talk about things we liked. Uh, I mean, like, the whole concept of the magic auction was really cool. Yes. Yeah. Uh, um, that's a little bit of world building that I absolutely go feral over, because it just... Of course there's magic auctions in this world. Why wouldn't there be? And if... Did we talk about the... Oh, sorry. Did we talk about the cold open with the guy in the bank? Yes. No, we didn't. Well, no, but yeah, let's do that now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. yeah. So the, the, the episode cold opens with this really, like, not decrepit, but near damn old guy walking into the vault of a safe, or the safe of a bank, and they go to check his, like, security deposit box, and the lady asks for the number, and he's like, one, and she's like, excuse me? Excuse me? And he's like, yes, I believe it's the first one, if memory serves. Yeah, that's like, <laughs> that's like meeting someone whose social security number is less than three digits. It's like, okay. Okay, <laughs> Keanu Reeves, old. what other immortals do you have hanging out near you? Yeah. <clears throat> I bet you and Tilda Swinton are having a fun time in your mind palace. Yeah. <laughs> um... I really liked this cold open, although I wish he had... I mean, he comes back um, in a, and honestly sets up one of my favorite moments of the episode. Um, but I kind of wish he had mattered more, because it did kind of feel like a waste of a cold open. Yeah. I, but it also... Yeah, because it, it raised a lot of questions, and mm-hmm. then... When he shows up again, like, they kind of get answered, but it's also in sort of a underwhelming way. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, but I did like um, the fact that he gets out his safe deposit box, opens it up, and takes out the world's oldest penis. I. <laughs> it was a finger. <laughs> it was. It was technically a frost giant finger. But you can't tell me that he didn't open that shit up and think, and you, you can't tell me that you didn't think to yourself, dick. I mean, yeah, you're right. I, it was like, okay. Thank you. I was about to be like, I won't fucking believe you. Cause it looked like a ta- it looked like an old taxidermied penis. And I will not take any criticism that is absolutely true. Um, I also really, really, really. Uh, loved um, I didn't want the bank teller to die I know right but you knew she was gonna yeah die. I mean I, I knew it she was wearing white yeah but I didn't want it 
Anytime, anytime a lady, yeah, anytime a lady is wearing a white in the cold open, they bet to be. Oh dead. God. Yep. You like virg- virginity is such a powerful thing in the supernatural universe. Like, I just don't know. Because that's that's part of her. Um, he he goes. This old man goes to the auction to get uh, Mjolnir, uh, and he he offers up the frost giant finger and five eighths of a virgin, which was hilarious. Um, and also, someone needs to explain to all the supernatural creatures that virginity is a, is a patriarchal concept that doesn't really exist. You know. Yeah. Can we get on board with that, guys? Just want to, like, I don't know, pass around the feminine mystique to, like, all the old gods. <laughs> um, I do want to talk about Mjolnir real quick. Yes. Because, A, Sam is worthy enough to pick it yes! up. Yes! This was one of my favorite moments. It. However, he just leaves it. He just leaves it on the goddamn floor. Yeah, I thought he would have at least kept it. Sam, you have a hammer that can lightning people to smithereens. Pick that shit up and put it in your back pocket. Keep it around. Carry that bitch with you wherever you fucking go. And not just people, magical creatures. Evil Willy Wonka. That's redundant. Willy Wonka. Like, <laughs> the reason why, so the uh, auction is being hosted by a god. The god uh, is named. Yeah, what is the god's name? One of them. He's, he's got a name. Plutus. He was like the, okay. Plutus. He was like the god of what, greed? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's just go ahead and do a quick little freak of the week. He's the god of wealth. Okay, we're good. Whew, okay. Um, he is either the child of Demeter and a name I can't pronounce, or Hades and Persephone. Hmm. So, yeah. Um, but Plutus has a little assistant, and the assistant betrays him. To tell him, uh, to tell Crowley how to get past the wards. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, he's dressed in a pinstripe suit when we first see him. And it's pretty, uh, he looks like in Willy Wonka. It's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. Then Willy Wonka the Great. Yes. <laughs> so he's also got a ridiculous oh, fucking top hat. I'm not gonna lie, I fucking loved him. Everything about him is ridiculous, and I'm kind of here yeah. for it, to be honest with you. It's very fitting, and it's ridiculous that he backstabbed his god. It's re- everything literally about this man is fucking ridiculous. The tiny fucking pistol he's got. He did it. F- he did it for a uh, private island, and then he tries to kill Kevin. <laughs> For a second private island. Exactly. <laughs> fucking ridiculous. 
incredibly ridiculous. I don't, you know, right? I really don't think that having two private islands is as fun as he is he is expecting. It seems like a lot of upkeep, yeah. and the taxes have to be insane. Well, I don't like that. Depends on if like the island is owned, right? That's fair. If it's like if it's like unincorporated land, the only taxes you're paying are to yourself. Fair enough. You know, I. You know what? We need to go ahead and figure out how like taxes work in the supernatural universe. Like, if you buy Mjolnir at this auction, do you do you? Like claim that as a deductible or something. Okay. Anyways, I tried to make a joke there. It didn't I work. Like I don't know. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were making mountains out of mule hills. No. Boo. Oh, go away. Okay. Oh, also the old man who has the world's oldest penis and also um, kills the virgin uh, is Vili. Brothers, one of the brothers is the god Odin. Yeah. Yeah. So. Want to know another little fun fact about that guy? The guy who played Billy? Yeah. He played the Reaper in season one, episode 12, Faith. What? He looks so different. I know. Well, and hey. And, um. Do what? I was about to mention another. Supernatural, former Supernatural actor appears again this yeah. episode. This one, re- they really pulled the old recycled actor stops out for this one. Canada only has so many actors, and they've all been in Supernatural, sometimes multiple times. Um, but yeah, Tyler Johnston, who we recently did an episode of LSA about, plays... Samandriel and Alfie slash Alfie um, and he and Dean kind of have a little moment about Castiel which I thought was pretty sweet it was yeah. sweet. nice um, but yeah Sam wielding Mjolnir was amazing he absolutely I want Mjolnir in more episodes with Sam just like fucking destroying people with it he, he probably yeah. went back and got it right I hope so. Let's say yes. Let's just go ahead and commit to that. Yeah, fucking. Yeah, we'll commit. So, um... But, uh, let's, let's talk about Cass. We, fi- we find out a little bit more about Cass's fate this episode. Yeah, so... Dean, we get flashes to Dean in Purgatory. Um, looking for Cass, like, interrogating monsters for his whereabouts. And then he finally founds, finds him, and Cass is like, dude, what the fuck? Because uh, basically, Castiel has a bigger target on his back than Dean does. And yeah. Cass has been trying to keep Dean safe by keeping his distance from him. Um, and once again, we have a character on this show be like, the only way I could protect you was fucking off and not explaining anything to you. Which we've talked about why that is bullshit, and it's just as bullshitty here. Then he kind of watches them have a fight, and is like, this is dumb as hell. We should be making our way to the portal. And I gotta say, I completely agree, Benny. Mm -hmm. Um, But the reunion was sweet. uh, I thought. And Cass agrees to go along with them. um, But did not make it out. And that gets reiterated this episode, because Alfie and 
and Dean have a little conversation about it, and Alfie says, um, you know, is, is disappointed that he didn't make it. Um, yeah. And says that, you know, he did a bunch of, like, fucked up shit. I'm paraphrasing. But his heart was always in the right place. And Dean says, do you, like... He's He says, some angels believe that Cass's heart was always in the right place. And Dean asks, are you one of them? And he says, I think too much heart was always Castiel's problem. Uh, yeah, that was a good line. Yeah. Because in some ways it's pretty true. Yeah. Um, so yeah. What, what do you think happened with Cass, Travis? Any predictions? Oh, God. I feel like the Leviathans that are still in purgatory that are hunting Cass catch up with them or, like, my guess is right before they're all supposed to go back, the Leviathans catch them and Cass either sacrifices himself to save Dean or now that's all I got I guess we'll find out soon but I think he also has something to do with how Benny got inside of Dean's arm Hmm. That's that's one of the theories. Because it was like, how the fuck else did that happen? Right. Although I guess at, at that point, Benny is like pure soul energy, I guess. Like, see, the, the physics of purgatory are confusing here. Because it seems like if you're a monster in purgatory, you can be harmed and killed again. But you're also already dead? So you're a soul in purgatory. So I don't know. It it's probably going to be some stupid bullshit that doesn't make any sense. Um yeah, we talked about last episode how the whole like so are these monsters alive or dead? Is this an afterlife or just a different dimension? And if so, how do monsters end up there when they die? And where do they go when they die again? We kind of talked about how that doesn't really make any sense last episode. Um, And it continues not to be explained this week. uh, We see Dean kill a monster in one of the flashbacks. And yeah, just questions I have. It's a little it's a little picky, I think, uh, to ask that. But it also just doesn't make any sense. And I kind of wish they would explain it a little a little bit. Well, I think they were scared to because of they were scared to commit to what ideology or anything right to lock themselves yeah in. um I want to talk about Mrs. Trans some more. She's amazing. ten out of ten yeah i uh I liked the scene where they were getting the demon possession tattoos. Oh my God, that was and amazing. she was just like leading up to it. she was just like, it's not my first fucking tattoo. yes, and then she's just sitting there stone faced as Kevin is like just being a wimp, getting a tattoo on his forearm. but I like that she doesn't make fun of him for it because I thought that's oh, yeah. what they were setting up um 
So, the reason why she's getting a tattoo is they save Mrs. Tran from Eunice, um, and explain what's going on, and Mrs. Tran is like, Prophet of the Lord sounds pretty nice. Okay, I can get behind this. And as they're about to leave again, she's like, great, I'll go pack my bags. And Sam and Dean are like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're taking you to a safe house. We're not going to go find the word of God with you. And she was like, (laughs) fuck you. And insist on going with them. And they're like, all right, well, you're going to have to get a tattoo and hex bags and stuff. And she's like, yeah, whatever. Not my first radio. It's fucking amazing. She's literally like the best. Um, and in the scene where her and Kevin are getting the tattoo and he's like cringing because tattoos fucking hurt, it would have been very easy for them to set up like a, what are you, a pussy joke? And instead she just yeah. reaches out her hand and, and they hold hands and I thought that was very sweet um, and I love their relationship. And Kevin rightly calls Dean out when he when Dean almost kills her. And they run off instead of saying with Sam and Dean. Um, yeah, I really like them a lot. It was nice. Yeah, it was good. I did like the use of the Reverend Horton Hate song, which I think is probably one of the, the few niche bands that the show has featured that I yeah. knew, like immediately. I was kind of surprised to see a Reverend Horton Heat song going on. Yeah, it was a weird placement for it, but still kind of What rad. song was that? Because I'm not familiar. I don't remember. It wasn't, like, one of his, like, more well-known songs. I'll tell you oh, I mean, what, yeah. when did it happen in the scene? In the show? Oh, um, when they go from... It, it starts playing while they're getting the tattoo, and it plays, like, pretty much through Sam... Or Dean asking Sam about the reverse exorcism, mm-hmm. through them going to the train station to check out the uh, locker. Nice. Oh, another that was that was a good song. We don't really talk about songs much this uh, during these episodes, um, but this episode had pretty good music. Yeah, or, or at yeah. least uh, it had good music and nothing that was like offensively cartoonish. Which some of the songs in Supernatural get a little cartoony. Yeah, a little yeah, bit. Fucking true. Um, I. Oh, another standout Linda moment for me was in the pawn shop. Yeah, her harassing the owner. Yeah, that was good. That was so good. Yeah. And then getting on to Kevin for getting hyped for the Ferrari. Yes. I hear you. I hear you, Mrs. Trent. There are way better cars out of Europe. Um, She calls it Euro trash, which was amazing. (laughs) Yeah. 10 out of 10. Ron Swanson would have been proud. Yes. Yeah. Linda's fucking great. She's fucking great. Oh, yeah. She is... I did think it was... No, go ahead. Uh, When she was like, Kevin, what's the KBB on a uh, 2010s Ferrari? And he's got it off the top of the dome. I'm like, ah, I don't want to believe that he knew that. But also, like, I knew prices of cars at about that time. But then, like... uh, Sam and Kevin, like, matching wits on math was kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, I oh, uh, Linda basically threatens the pawn store owner with tax evasion because he has this very like nice sports car that he definitely hasn't paid taxes on, and the taxes end up being like ten thousand dollars, and he doesn't want to pay that. So Linda's like, "I'll send my state tax assessor brother on you." 
uh, don't fuck with me. It's pretty great. Yeah. Um, this actually, that moment where Kevin just knows the price of the car is setting up for later when it is implied that all Kevin needs to do to memorize the ritual is look at the tablet. Because when they go to the auction, they're not planning on buying it. They're just planning on having Kevin look at it and then and then leave. And then he's got it. Yeah. Right. Um, so they're so they're setting up Kevin as some sort of like somebody with an uh, eidetic memory? A photographic mm-hmm. memory. I don't fucking know why I use fancy words. I can't pronounce them. Eidetic. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I gotta say, that was some pretty subtle and good setup on Supernatural's part. Like, 10 out of 10 for that, so. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, the episode ends with Linda almost losing her soul. Uh, and Sam and Dean, I like that Sam and Dean don't pussyfoot around. They're just like, hey, it's gonna be painful. You're gonna wish you were dead. And she does it anyways to save Kevin, because Kevin almost gets auctioned off in addition to the... Uh, to the tablet. Um, I love the implication that hell owns the moon. Not implication. Crowley outright states it. Yeah. <laughs> that was fantastic. Yeah. You think someone named Buzz gets to go <laughs> to the moon? <laughs> to the moon for free on their own. That was good. Balls, uh, Buzz Aldrin definitely wants to punch the shit out of Andrew Dabb now, though. <laughs> that's <Yeah. laughs> That's real. But yeah, any other standout moments from this episode before we sort of wrap this shit up? Um, we see Crowley in his smoke form for the first time. I think. Mm-hmm. It's red, and it's red. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is a crossroad, demons, baby. I think that's all I got. Yeah, that's pretty much all I got. I will say, I lied a little bit earlier. This episode is not a 10 out of 10 for me. It has its issues. But, I liked it a lot more than last week's episode. And if they could just stop with the pointless drama and fighting between Sam and Dean, then like, I'm on board for the rest of the season. Yeah. If they drive it, I think it'll be a better season. If they drop That's it. a but big if. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's a 10 out of 10. I think it's maybe a 6.9 for the nice, but also because it's a it's a nice episode. I'll give it a 7. Yeah, mm. I'd give it a solid 7. Yeah. Mm. Alright, Travis, next week's episode is called Heartache. What's it about? Heartache? Hmm. Uh, I gotta think about this one for a second. I will preface whatever you're gonna say with this is one of... Like, this isn't a top five episode for me for the for this series, but it's definitely one I would consider putting in my top ten. Ooh. Oh, shit. That is quite the... If it's the one that I think it is, and I'm pretty sure that it is. That is quite the endorsement. Heartache. Let's see. Heartache. 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 
Um, is that is that the summary? No. Here's the summary. Okay. <laughs> yep. Dean gets a heart attack after eating 17 burgers in a row. Oh, shit. That's it. All right. Well, I don't know if that's going to happen, but if it does, we'll talk about it next week on Hey Aspen. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, We appreciate the shit out of y'all. If you want to hear more from us, uh, please go to our website, habcast.com, where you can find links to all of our social media, including our Instagram and Twitter at Habcast and our Facebook, Hey Aspen, a supernatural podcast. Uh, if you want to hear more, consider looking at our Patreon. For just $3 a month, you gain access to the other show that we do, Let's Jack Ass, where we watch things that supernatural actors have been in that are not supernatural. There's also some other fun bonus stuff you can gain access to. It's pretty great. Check it out. Recently, we watched an episode of Letterkenny for Tyler Johnston, a.k.a. Alfie, a.k.a. the teenager from Bugs. Um, we've also done House of Wax, uh, another Cinderella story. If you like hearing us in pain, go check out LSA. Like, that's 90% yeah, of the episodes. It's, yeah, it's like 90% pain town for us. If you're like, I don't know, my favorite episodes of Habcast are, are where Ari's just screaming at people, that's that go check out LSA. <laughs> Um, thank you guys so much for listening until next time have fun and don't die bye